0: of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. So glad you're here with us. This is episode 19 with Clint Lalonde from BC Campus. He's also an associate faculty in the School of Education and Technology at Royal Roads University here in Victoria, beautiful British Columbia. He is a colleague of mine and it was an honor and pleasure to sit down with him uh, and Chad and I chat uh, a bunch of different stuff with, with Clint and uh, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. And as always, uh, 30 minutes isn't enough. So we're going to have uh, Clint back at some point. But anyway, thanks again for tuning in and uh, take care.
1: And I hope that I don't fall in love with you. Well, I can see that you are lonesome just like me. Being late, there you go. like so Good deal,
0: alright And here we go, Three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to Practice this Pedagogy Podcast to, As you, Chad likes to affectionately call <laughs> it What do you call it, Chad? P-cubed I know, you don't say it loud enough anymore You don't get me excited P-cubed you just, There you go Is that better? <laughs> Beautiful, nice uh, For all of you suffering in the cold winter air Out there in Middle Eastern North America it's nice and warm here. We've got some wind chill, but still above zero as far as, as, far as I checked. Right, Chad?
2: Yeah, it's just barely above zero. I wouldn't call it fairly warm here. Hey, hey, compared to Winnipeg, I'll take this any day. plus you know, well, we can say, <laughs> but we might have a listener in Winnipeg,
0: so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> might have one. Yeah, yeah. Around a wood stove in a hut by a lake. Mm. Right? Anyway, there we go. So uh, we have with us today the Clint from BC campus Clint tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself what you do
1: <laughs> what the did I Clint say? I just have one
3: I'm like the
0: Madonna or, it's like you're or, or something you're right? the Clint you are the Clint amongst a whole bunch of Clints right nice. okay ready go
3: <laughs> um, I'm Clint Lalonde. I'm a project manager in open education for uh, BC campus in British Columbia I'm also a uh, associate faculty uh, in the School of Education and Technology at Royal Roads University.
0: Ah, very cool. So what do you, what do you teach in uh, Royal Roads?
3: I teach a course on digital facilitation. So in the uh, Masters of Learning and Technology program. So I've done that now for just over three years.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, well, not only do I teach it, but I'm also a graduate.
2: So. I was just going to say you graduated from that program too. When did you graduate?
3: 2010. Uh, 2000.
2: Yeah. 10 two, no 2011. Sorry. Okay. Hmm. That seems to be a,
0: a, a resounding reoccurrence for Royal Roads is that they hire their grads from their program, right? Cause I know there's a few grads teaching at Royal Roads, right?
3: There's a few grads that are teaching a few that are instructional designers, some mm-hmm. people in the center for teaching and, and educational technology as well. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. That's very cool. So how long have you been in the open space?
3: Uh, oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I think officially I've been in the working actually on an open educational project since 2012 when I first joined BC campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to work on the open textbook project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, I was involved in open in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, you know, I was the manager of learning technologies at Royal Roads for a while. So I spent a couple of years there setting up uh, some, some open uh, practices mostly around code development. I was as the manager of learning technologies there. We used Moodle, which was an open source platform, and we did a lot of customizations to Moodle. So we shared a lot of that code back
0: to oh, the wow. community.
3: Um, so we actually set up a site called open.roilroads.ca uh, where we um, we facilitated sharing that code in, in an easy uh, easy way. We also did a lot of um, um, open. Um, uh, we shared a lot of our coursework and a lot of our pedagogy out there. Um, so we had some Open Moodle courses um, that mm-hmm. we shared there. Um, and then before that, I was at uh, Camosun College. And that's kind of where I first got into Open um, in the early days when I wasn't working for BC Campus. But BC Campus was sponsoring a program called the Online Program Development on Fund. Uh, this is probably going back to it. 2006 or so Uh, and Camosun College had won a couple of contracts to develop some online courses and programs and that's where I first got introduced to things like open licensing and Creative Commons licensing and stuff so Uh, my roots go back a long way.
0: Yeah well that's awesome. Um, So what's the biggest change that you've seen in open technology wise?
3: Um, Technology wise? uh, well, in, in the technology space, I think um, for open technologies, I think we have seen, uh, well, it's really interesting because, you know, open education, the foundations of open education actually come from the open source software, right? So there's a really symbiotic relationship between open education and, and open source software and the open education movement. Um, uh, so in the early days of uh, open education, you know, people talked a lot more about the open source software model as the model. And then as open education itself has matured, we've sort of moved away from having that discussion and open education has kind of become a thing all on its own. Um, because of that, I think we kind of lost a bit of a connection to the open source piece and the importance of technology and the open source technology piece. So, um, you know, one of the things I've been working on with uh, some people here in the province and around the world is, is trying to raise the profile again of the importance of open source technologies uh, and how there needs to be open technologies to really underpin and support the entire open education movement. Because if you don't have the open technologies that have open standards and ways to actually share these materials openly, Um, it's really tough to do open education um, in terms of open educational resources.
2: Right. Right. I was in a conversation just the other day, actually, with uh, the guys from OERU, Wayne McIntosh and David Lane. And Dave makes a great point. He was saying for every proprietary software that's out there, there is a fully opened, like a FOSS version of it. And so what we need to do is we need to be looking for those and how to integrate them into our systems. And it all started with the whole conversation about the next generation digital learning environments and how... A lot of times we were trying to piece together proprietary software, and, and Dave is very big into no. It needs to be open source. It needs to be completely open for it to be a, a true NGDLE. And I thought that was super interesting. Their take on it. That and it's true. Like anytime you look, it might be a little harder to integrate and to kind of. It's not as user friendly, maybe, as the proprietary software out there. But it's the platforms are fairly stable from what I can tell, and so there's a lot of good stuff that's that's working.
3: Yeah, and there's a lot of those platforms that have been around for a long time that have really established communities that are very stable, some that have actually entire ecosystems of of sustainability around them in order to keep them going that are not necessarily the same as commercial uh, platforms. So um, yeah, so I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's well supported i just think i uh, think the mm-hmm. stuff that dave has done with the oaru is really yeah. fantastic because he yeah. does live it and, I, and Wayne he lives it as well you know talk about open technologies um it's not a lip service for them they're actually you know working hard to make the the open source you know ngdle thing uh happen and i really have a lot of admiration for the work that they're doing at the
2: oh definitely definitely it's, it's so interesting and if i mean we should put something in the mystical show notes there tim of they've got a uh <laughs> a map out of their NGDLE and all the software uh, that they use, yeah, yeah. Uh, how it's all integrated and how they do it. And Dave walks through, like, it's a long post, but he walks through how to set you up. And I mean, those guys are, they're so open to the point where when you're ready, they'll sit down and they will help you do it on your own. Like they will sit down and walk you right through the whole process. I was on the, I was on a Skype call with them for like two and a half hours one time, just all the stuff. Oh, they're great. There's a couple, they're great fellows. That's amazing. I think
0: they're, they're
3: potential guests. Should, oh, for sure, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, we could just yeah. we just have to mention proprietary yeah. software and then let Dave just go yeah, on our way. Yeah. Re- <laughs> <Proprietary laughs> software. You mentioned that on Twitter at all? I mean, like yesterday, I, I mentioned something and then he just went off and it was like post after post after post. So, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good one.
0: It's kind of like that. Oops! What have I done? <laughs> yeah,
2: we could just hit record and go for a coffee, Tim, and then That's right. go.
0: just put up a little cutout. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you you got this, right? We'll be back in a little while. Oh, mercy. Be sure to talk to them
3: about the pedagogy piece, though, and the open piece, because there are certainly some. There's there's more than just the technology. So. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the finding, is, finding is we poke people a little bit about the pedagogy versus andragogy thing. There's some uh, some underlying stuff in there. Uh, well,
3: this is interesting. So I, am we were talking about this just before we went to tape and I was, I heard that you guys have a show coming up about the pedagogy versus like, oh, who picked what side and what side were you guys talking about in, in the conversations? Because this is something that's uh, happened. Uh, it's come up many times throughout my career too, pedagogy versus pedagogy. Uh, Almost to the point where it's like, you know the, the pedagogy versus technology piece too that's another conversation oh, yeah, that yeah. Kind of continually comes up it's not about the pedagogy it's not about the technology it's about the pedagogy um, you know, trying to have conversations when people sort of throw that out there and you're like, well, oh, yeah, of course it's about the pedagogy, but the technology piece is important too. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of important, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So you, you're going to create all this stuff, but uh, there's no boat to send it down in, right? We got nothing yeah, yeah. to send it. So you got all this great stuff.
2: Awesome. But uh, how are you going to get it out there? Oh, no, I was just going to say it needs to be a both and conversation instead of either or.
3: Is that where you guys landed on the andragogy and
2: pedagogy thing? Yeah, I think, well, yes and no. I, yes, we kind of ended up on a neither. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't
3: I remember, Clint, back We're still the babies the in no Yeah,
2: yeah we're, were we, we, gaggieless,
0: as we were saying. Yeah, we are, are gaggieless. We have no gages. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're still babies in this little, in this big world, I should say. It's not a little world. It's a big world. But, yeah. Uh, I, I just find the the dialogue interesting because I like distinctions. I like to know where boundaries are in, in some mm-hmm. regard. Not that I feel hemmed in most of the time, but I'll kind of like to know where the boundaries are because then it, it helps me differentiate one thing from another. Um, but it, it's kind of like talking about leadership, right? There's not just one style of leadership that fits all. Like there's a bunch of different styles. And so i look at pedagogy in some regard as being a style of teaching and and a practice of teaching and and i look at andragogy as just being quite simply what it says a, a, a the, the study or the science of how adults learn right um and so how, how do i how do i mesh those two and put them into practice uh, i'll just be honest; i haven't figured that out yet i'm still working through it. that's kind of one reason why we have this podcast is to talk to people like you and Kind of have an opportunity to hash this stuff out and think about it and land on our own two feet. So I hope that when people listen to that episode, they don't stop listening to us after that. <laughs> there really wasn't anything too controversial about it. It was just, we've heard this stuff and we've heard people say, oh no, it's got to be pedagogy. And we've heard other people go, can we stop talking about pedagogy and just call it andragogy? So that's kind of what the impetus was for the episode. So. Mm. But yeah, there's, there's stuff lying under the surface. It's kind of funny that you, you you poke the surface and cause some ripples and kind of stand back.
3: Well, it's interesting too, about the, you know, the, the, the semantics um, talk of, you know, how we use language and the words that we choose and the definitions that we choose and the importance of having things that are specific, but also you don't want to be hemmed in necessarily. You want to leave some room for um, a wiggle room, but you need to have these kind of definitions that we all agree on in order to carry your conversations forward. I mean, it's the same thing that's happened with open education for many years too. I mean, there is there's been a lot of debate about what is open education and what do we mean by that term open. And you know, when you talk to people, there are tons of different ways that open is defined. Um, you know, Some people talk about it just as the resources. Some people talk about it as something broader than that, an attitude, you know, so we started seeing uh, a shift in the language in the open space where we talk about open educational resources as something, open pedagogy as another thing. Uh, the open educational practices as kind of an umbrella term. So all of these things have happened because you have those really messy conversations about what
2: does this actually mean? Yeah. Yeah. So because of
3: that, then you can start to sharpen your, your focus a little bit and create those those conversations.
2: That's one thing I appreciate about the whole open thing is you've got to have those messy conversations. And I think there's so much value in the messy conversations. And sometimes we, we kind of veer away from them. And that's one thing I think we landed on, too, in that conversation that we had, Tim, about pedagogy and andragogy, about how you like barriers and I'm really comfortable outside the barriers or pushing up against them. And so it's, it's interesting. I think maybe that's our whole friendship, right? We're, we're always pushing each other on in this messiness where we're not alike in any way, but <laughs> yeah, we are in some true. ways. Right. And so you can have that's these true. conversations that get messy. Or remember when we're in Arizona, when we're getting that heated discussion about, um, what was that? Adaptive learning platforms. Actually, oh. yeah, you were there too, Clint.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's the kind of, those are the kind of conversations you need to have. And that's what I love those conversations There We, we need to have more of them. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So
0: what, what has impacted you the most about the open space, Clint? Cause you've been in it a while. You've, you've seen a lot of iterations. You've seen a lot of twos and fros kind of thing, but what's impacted you the most about being in the open
3: um Well, I think you know the the thing that got me into open and really interested in open was the internet. you know, that's that was kind of the the thing that brought me in. I was really interested in this space and this this space where we could have lots of people participating and the barriers to participation were, were quite low, and everything was kind of happening out in the open out in the open. In the public, right? So in the uh, in the early days, you know, we, you know, we've, we've certain since learned since then. Maybe it's not great to be out in the public all the time. You know? <laughs> um, and, Can we you just know, do this are, behind
0: closed doors for a second, yeah, please? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> maybe there are sometimes where we want to have that, and uh, you know. Uh, Talk a little bit about that too, about the the you know the surveillance society that we kind of live in now. But <laughs> but the internet was originally what drew me to it, and and sort of the belief that we could have these 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 spaces where uh, where we could all participate. And so I, I still believe that that is important. And I think as time has gone on, we've seen the internet become a really important space in our life, which you know. 20 years ago was kind of a radical thing when you would talk to people at educational institutions and you go, no, no, this thing is going to be big, like there's going to be implications to this thing, people would be like, no, 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 obviously. We're going to, like, you now higher ed ignored the internet for a long time, despite the fact that the roots of the internet actually come from academia, but, you know, in terms of teaching and learning, it wasn't a space that uh, a lot of people paid attention to or were actively dismissive about in the beginning, So um, so that really kind of came to me, and then the idea that you know we could use these spaces to create these personal learning networks, uh, where you could actually connect with experts. And so you know, I started blogging. I was like an early blogger back, you know, two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six, and started connecting with all of these other early bloggers, like you know Martin Weller and Brian Lamb and um, you know, Sylvia Curry, some of the people that I connected with early on, and. Um, uh, Alec Kuros, um, you know, people who had, you know, a really big influence on me. Um, and so I loved it. I loved the fact that I could actually connect with people who did the same kind of work that I did. were interested in the same kinds of things that I could do. Um, and, you know, were able to network and collaborate in this in this, um, this this new environment. And that still is what attracts me today and what I love about open spaces. I can be having a conversation in a public space like Twitter, um, and then all of a sudden have somebody else just completely jump in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, you've connected with somebody else in your network that uses yeah. your knowledge and can help you learn. So to me, that's still the thing that had the biggest impact on me, is the ability of using these open spaces to create these learning networks.
0: Right. And you, you mentioned something too, that there's something scary about being in the open and being on networks, and that's the surveillance piece, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we it's have? It's a here? heavy sigh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Watch what you, you say. Had to Bring that up, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you, you don't have to talk about that because we're probably being surveillance right now. So, yeah. Hello. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, you know, it's something that you know, and and I think it's it's part of the reason what drives me now back to open source software and to the ability to actually own our own technologies and control our own technologies we can take a piece of software install it on a server that we control we can control who has access to the data how that data works as opposed to having a software service where you know you, 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 you well the saying goes like if, if you don't pay for the product you are the product right and so um, and so there's that, that kind of piece of it. But then it also goes much deeper than that, too, where now we're starting to see state surveillance and it's coming to education, you know, where we have... Um, what was the thing I was reading the other day about? Uh, um, there's an app in schools in the K-12 system where if a student wants to go to the washroom, they actually, you know, you know send a request to their teacher who then approves the request. And so in the background, all this data about when your students go to the bathroom is being collected. I'm like, that's pretty invasive stuff. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. like uh, you want to be collecting all of this data? Like,
2: yeah. Okay,
0: what's, and what's, why what's, and where's it going? And, and, and I heard one reason for that. I don't know if it was the same story or not, but I heard that. There was this app that would do that, it would take the uh, the request from the student, send it to the teacher. And in, in the background, the app would tell the teacher if there was an antagonist in the bathroom at the same time or in the hallway. So if there was a bullying issue happening, then the teacher could intervene on that request to go to the bathroom and say, no, you have to wait five minutes because, you know, little Timmy is in the bathroom and he's going to beat the snot out of this kid if he sees him. And so they're, they're saying, well, from a bullying perspective and a, and a protection perspective, this technology makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, no, I still don't like it. I, it's, there's just way too many things that you're going to try and glean from all this information. And, and I, it just comes down to trust. Like I just don't trust the system. Right. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're we, right. Yeah, we we've seen these systems where you know students will put glasses on, and and the glasses will determine whether the student's reading the material or not. And if they're not, you get a shock. Like it will shock you, right? <gasps> yeah, I'm like, who signs up for this? Right? It's like, oh yeah, thanks for sending your kid to the private school. By the way, can you sign this little release form for us so that uh, you know we're going to shock your child if they're not paying attention? Uh, <laughs> pardon? What? You're gonna? No, no, not doing that. So. That's a bad '60s sociology, psychology. I
3: I
2: totally, I just, I oh, <laughs> <you> just <Lugar laughs> academy.
0: Are yeah.
3: you kidding me? Are you kidding yeah. me?
0: Wow, that's just crazy. But so, you know,
3: this is. But you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, throw the baby out of the bathwater kind of thing, because I think that there are some nuanced discussions that we can have around the you know the use of the collection and use of data how to ethically do that and how to ethically use that because i also think there's an ethical argument that goes you know if if we don't if we don't collect this data maybe we are doing a disservice to some of our students like maybe we aren't actually helping them learn in the best way i i don't know i think that there is still um a discussion to be had around can we do this ethically can we do it transparently can we have the students involved in this and go you know what we're collecting this information and we're using it in this way or you know and and this is exactly what we're collecting about you and this is why we're using it about about you because we think it can actually help you learn help you understand the material better and to be a more successful student so i don't want to be completely dismissive about the collection and use of data um, because there may be some applications to it that are really important for for teaching and learning practice. Um, But I do think that we need to be very careful, very deliberate, move very slowly here and have the conversations about how can we do this ethically. How can we make sure that, you know, we are protecting our students, that this data doesn't fall into the wrong hands, that we actually are not the wrong hands to have it? Like, who, you know, so, so I think I think there are some there, there are two sides to it.
2: It goes back to those messy conversations that we have to have, right? It's not just an easy black and white. There's a lot of gray in there and we need to have the conversations to figure out what's good and what's not.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's yeah. just everybody lay your ogies aug- down and let's have a conversation. Let's have a cup of coffee and uh, we'll just talk about this. Right? <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah Leave your ogies at the door. <laughs> Leave your ogies at the door. <laughs> That's right. No ogies in this <laughs> room. please.
0: <Yeah. laughs> That's all good. That's all good. Uh, so how does this tie into your current project? Because you're working with BC Campus. Um and you're working on a very interesting project. Mm-hmm. How, how does this kind of tie into what you're doing with them?
3: So the project I'm working on is around open homework systems. And there is a piece around um, data and analytics and privacy that is actually driving this uh, project. Because um, as you know, being instructors, um, um, theres there's been this shift in the past few years um, from the use of of static resources and textbooks to the use of online platforms and a lot of times these online platforms are controlled by publishers or controlled by third parties outside of the institution that students often have to pay to buy an access code to get access to so 100 dollars, you get access to this learning platform provided by the publisher that has you know the electronic copy of your textbook in it and often these kind of homework systems to help with uh um, with things like um, you know formative self-assessment to help students self-test. Um, but in the background, they're actually collecting a lot of data about the students, right? And so part of the project I have is to explore open source um, solutions uh, and alternatives to these kinds of platforms, partially to, Um, help address that, uh, you know, to give institutions the ability to control that flow of data a bit more and to control that data at the institution by self-hosting their own their own platforms. And part of it is also very similar to the Open Textbook project that uh, we've done here from the University campus is to save students money because these are becoming new barriers, new financial barriers for students to participate you know, where you have to pay, you don't have to buy a textbook anymore, but you have to pay $100 to access your learning materials and to do the homework assessments and, and assignments and, and things like that. So um, so that's the project in a nutshell, is I'm looking at open source options, um, especially in the math and sciences area where these kinds of platforms
0: seem to be Very cool. What are you reading right now, Clint?
3: You warned me you're in. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a notoriously slow reader. <laughs> um, um, but I do have a couple of things on the go, um, a couple of non and I do have one fiction book. I'm reading a, a book called um, uh, Empire of the Wild by uh, Sherry Dimmeline. And um, it's about, um, I'm only a couple of chapters into it, and I heard an interview with um, Sherry. Uh, sorry, fiction book. Uh, I heard an interview with Sherry on CBC a few weeks ago, and she was just so funny and so warm and so interesting um, that I had to pick up this book uh, and take a read. And she's um, she's Métis, and so the main character in the story is a Métis woman living in contemporary society. Um, uh, and uh, uh, But there's kind of like this well, and I don't know where this is going to go in the book because I'm only a couple of chapters into it. Sort of a fantastical element that's kind of coming into it where there's this mystery of what's happened to her husband. Uh, she thinks that he's disappeared in the bush and has been dead, but she has now traveled to a town and has found him, but he has no recollection of who she is. And she's uh-huh. found him with a traveling circus. So, the
0: weird music, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. So I'm really interested to see where this is going. Huh. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's it. And part of it is uh, I have this, um, uh, I have a desire to to try to read books written by people who are not like me, you know, um, and so, and I also grew up in a predominantly First Nations community, so I've always had an attraction to this sort of First Nations literature. Sherman Alexie is one of my favorite writers, um, and so... I heard this interview. I was like, okay, I got, I got to take a,
2: awesome. take a read of it. Awesome. To so check that out.
3: Yeah. And then I was also part of the BC Open, um, the BC Campus Book Club.
2: You guys uh, just did kind of small of, teaching? Is that right?
3: We did small teaching. Yeah. So I read uh, James Lang's small teaching.
2: That's a great book.
3: Yeah. there It was chock-a-block full of really oh. good, good information.
2: And then there's a another one called Small Teaching Online. Have you read that one yet? Or no,
3: I haven't, but I've got it in my Amazon wish list, and yeah. that's one that I'm going to be uh, checking out.
2: Yeah, it's great too. It's it's fantastic. Lots of great tidbits of stuff to try out. I like how it's just so like there are honestly things that you can start doing right now, right? Like there are all these tips. It's not like this whole full blown philosophy that you have to change. These are like doable things that you can start trying out. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a great book. Yeah. <laughs> there's the cold snow version. <laughs> nice work nice work who's your favorite
0: band clint right now in this moment at this particular point in time who's your favorite band who do you oh, who are you listening to right now oh no,
3: geez you know what i'm I, well so i'm a huge tom waits fan right? i love tom waits and uh and there's a new album out i just heard about it yesterday uh, it's women singing tom waits and so <laughs> uh I know nice. I, I'm really intrigued by it because I've heard some female cover versions of Tom Waits songs and they're so beautiful and they just yeah. change mm-hmm. the dynamic of it. Oh
0: know, yeah. Yeah. So
3: much. So, um, so yeah, that'll be, uh, that'll be high on my list here soon. That'll
0: Very be cool. the next
3: thing I, I find and download.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So thanks for spending all this time with us and, and sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. I have one more question as we wrap up, Chad, do you have anything that you want to ask the Clint? <laughs> the
2: Clint. <laughs> Not when you call him the Clint. I don't. Okay. Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Are there any more questions that you would like to ask Clint? Okay. No, I mean, as we say all the time, there's, I mean, I'm being mindful of time. So. Yeah, we will have to have Clint back on because I'd like yeah. to go more dive deeper into the open source software type stuff that we've talked about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, There's probably three episodes in this one we could unpack.
0: Yep. Good. So
2: Clint, as we
3: move so, you forward, so Dave, Dave Lane and I could get on, and you guys could just like leave the room, and
2: that'd be amazing. To yeah. Okay, talk, done. Right? Yeah, <laughs> done. that would be a fantastic episode. Yeah, done. That when <laughs> yeah. that's, 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 I'm
0: putting that in the calendar right now. Good deal. So Clint, uh, what impact? do you want to have on the open space?
3: Uh, Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I like to think I'm too young to start thinking about legacy. (laughs) 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 I still have things I want to do. I still have, uh, you know, um, you know, if I, if I look back on now, I'm really, um, I'm really proud of the work that we did to get the open textbook project going yeah. and the success yeah. that that had. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of at this point is, um, is, is helping to raise the profile of Pressbooks, you know, because mm-hmm. we were one of the first early adopters of that platform. Uh, and we talked about it a lot and, and I still think it's a fantastic platform and I work with it all the time. Um, you know, six and six or seven years that we've been working with Pressbooks and I'm just, I, I, I feel a little proud of what they have accomplished in the open space, to see where they have come from, uh, in the in the open education space, and to think that I might have had a little piece to do with that. Just um, at the beginning, to be able to help give them a little boost, I feel I feel pretty good about that.
0: Good as well, you should. Yes. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes and uh, give us a five star rating because that makes Chad and I feel very special and warm and fuzzy. And uh, you can catch us on most, if not all the listening platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple core, whatever you want to listen to and download. You can even go to the website, praxispedagogy.com and listen to us there. Um, Anything else, Chad? Am I missing something? Where can we find you online, Clint? That's my question. Ah, beat you. (laughs) Oh,
3: uh, EdTechFactotum. So that's my Twitter handle is EdTechFactotum. And then i also blog at EdTechFactotum.com.
2: Okay, so this is not quite the end. You've had a couple of really good posts come up. (laughs) He's going to go into the name.
0: (laughs) I I need to know the background of the name.
3: Oh, I'll send you the post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It comes from School of Rock and Jack Black. That's where it comes from. Oh, yeah.
0: See, <laughs> there you go. I haven't seen that. So um, we've been able to hold off on the pop rock or pop music culture <laughs> trivia in this episode. So mission accomplished. But uh, anyway, thanks so much, Clint, for taking the time being a part of the show. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure to have you.
3: Hey, it's been
1: fun. Thank you, guys. Like You're some company. Well, now i've had two i look at you and you look back at me the guy you're with he's up and split the chair next to you is free